Welcome to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of all the people at the table. I'm your host, DM Andrew. And I'm the other host, DM Neil, aka Joke Moniac. And today we have a fantastic guest star with us, Rich Howard, author, game designer, and host of the Whelmed Podcast. Yes. So, we are going to be talking about psionics. But before we do that, as we always do, we're going to do some iTunes reviews. Let the reviews come forth. So the review is five stars. The review is titled The Best. And the author of the review is named How Is Then Name Taken? So that is just an incredible name. And his brilliant insight is this show is really good. Short, sweet, and to the point. Love it. Done. Perfect. How is the name taken? You are my hero. For so many reasons. <laughs> so for the next one, it is from Buckner7, and it is titled Fantastic Podcast, five stars. As a new DM, I have found this podcast to be one of the most useful tools to preparing my campaign each week. I look forward to every new episode. Awesome. Thank you, Buckner7. Buckner's one through six. I don't know what you're doing, but Buckner7 is raising the bar. And clearly, he is the most sensible of all the Buckners, I'm just saying. So, without any further ado, we are going to, or any other mind games, if you will. Oh, was that a pun? Yes. Let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? The flat meat's back on the menu, boys. <laughs> All right, this time on The Meat, we are going to be talking about psionics, as you can probably have guessed from the fact that the episode is titled Hooked on Psionics, which there's no other name that this episode could have. Today's guest is none other than Rich Howard, which our interview will be a little bit different because honestly, it's Rich Howard. If you don't know who Rich is, you probably haven't listened to this podcast before. <laughs> I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> Rather than go through all of the who are you, we just have a quick question. Uh-oh. Rich, have you been working on anything lately? Do you have anything that do you think that you've been working on that would overwhelm me? Or do you think that it would maybe underwhelm me? Maybe just whelm. Yes. Whelm you. Oh, I was so excited to set that one up, man. So excited. <laughs> yes. In addition to the game design work that I'm still working on behind the scenes, I have now become an official podcaster. I've joined the cool kids. Yes. Welcome to the elites. <laughs> Thank you so much. B. Caleb G. from the RPG Academy and I have started a podcast, a fan cast called Whelmed, The Young Justice Files. We are analyzing the brilliant animated TV series Young Justice, but we're using that as a springboard to talk about a lot of things. So the DC Comics themselves, DC Comics Animated Universe, talking about storytelling in role-playing games, novel writing, etc., what we can learn from the show, what works, what doesn't work. And mostly it's therapy because I just love this show so much and I need to talk about it all the time. And, you know, my friends around me said, hey, dude, start a podcast. Yeah, this justifies going on about it as much as you want now because it's, hey, you're a podcaster. It's what you do. Yeah, you're in my house or in my in my Mount Justice, as the case may be. Honey, I'm doing market research for my podcast. OK, hold on. <laughs> Got to watch it for the 17th time. Don't worry about it. I actually was doing the outlines for two episodes last night that we recorded today. And I was like, man, I got to go do this. You know, I got to work and go watch two episodes. of." Yes. It's like, let me clock in and just turn on Netflix. Let me clock in and, and watch these for the 52nd time. All right. So for the next part, we have a surprise question from 
Yes. Me. It's just from me, though. Is that the surprise, Neil? That it's you? <laughs> yes, it actually is. We don't have any on the forums. So Patreon Dragons, if you're listening, you can head over to the forums and you can submit surprise questions that we'll ask our guests. But since we don't have one, I get a custom make this one for oh, no. Rich Howard. Make it hard. Make it hard. No, so I don't want to take it too much. 42. Okay. Done. Okay. So which Atlantean would you want to be from the DC universe? Oh, <laughs> Dude, it's like a whole nother podcast. I know. I'm afraid of asking the question at this point. <laughs> Which Atlantean would I want to be? I want all of them. Well, yeah, I mean, they all have their ups and downs. I will volunteer that I would prefer not to be Lagoon Boy. That would be good. That's a great call. That's a good, good start. Sorry, Lagoon. You'd think I'd jump in and just say, you know, Arthur, right? So just, mm-hmm. just go, you know, it's good to be king. But I have to say, the Aqualad that they introduced to the DC Universe in Young Justice... Man, he's a little hard to pass up. So, yeah, I'd say it's a coin toss between Arthur and, and Calder. I don't know. And then there's the Arthur from the comics and the animated series. And then there's the Arthur <laughs> that's coming up uh, in the movies. And I am a huge Jason Momoa fan. So, I don't know. He's pretty amazing. So, we'll see how that goes. Did I successfully okay. avoid the question? Because that's what that was my goal. You did. I accept your answers. Yeah, Mara would be awesome as well. But anyway, okay. <laughs> With that, we're moving into psionics. Yes. So we've got to set the stage a little bit. So we're talking all about psionics today. That is the magic of the mind. Now, psionics was first introduced in 1976 by the D&D supplement Eldritch Wizardry. In fact, it's been introduced in every edition since then, but in second edition, it really came into popularity. So the question is, what are psionics? I guess I think the best way would be go around the table and kind of what do each of us think that psionics is? Okay, I'll go first. You know, for me, psionics is, I said psionics is magic of the mind, but I would not classify psionics to be magic. I would classify it to be entirely of its own entity. It's like a, you know, powerful mind. It's a product of, you know, unlocking the hidden potential of the human or, you know, whatever mind, the orc mind, if you will, and using that to create power. And so I don't see it as divine or arcane magic. I see it entirely as its own entity. Rich, your thoughts? Yeah, I no, I, I 100% agree. I think that psionics themselves work best as an as an alien thing that's different. Just as uh, if you're looking at a modern horror game, you know, we have technology, we understand what technology is, but something in a Cthulhu game, for example, these psionics are something that's that's beyond normal understanding, and that's where that horror comes from. In a D&D world, magic that's divine or arcane is commonplace in every day. Just reskinning psionics to be a different kind of magic just hugs me. It's just it's it's filling the same niche. Yeah, it's just why not why not use magic? Yeah, Dreamscard Press did some amazing stuff with psionics. Absolutely. They they're a great company that did some really cool stuff. It's still just reskinning the magic and if I want psionics, I want something different. I want it to be alien. I want it to be aberrant. I want it to be mind flares, gith, you know? I want it to be this other thing. Yeah. And so for me, the example that immediately comes to mind in playing off of what you guys have already said is that psionics is fundamentally different from the magic that we know as more common. When the spell plague happened in the Forgotten Realms, the people that used psionics weren't affected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but everyone who read from the new supplement was affected adversely by yeah. the spell plague. <laughs> 
much. True. <laughs> but I mean, just is it like a canon based example that like these people were fine and then they like rose to power quickly while everyone was trying to figure out mm-hmm. what in the world was going on. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If you're going to have psionics in your game, we can talk about how to introduce it and whether to use it or not use it. It needs, it really needs to be something else. From a, a how your character fits into the party standpoint, it needs to be different than just saying, oh, there's wizards, sorcerers, and then these psionic people on the side. Yeah, I've, I've always liked the idea of psionics as being an inherent trait and that it's something to focus and refine. And so you have these characters who exist because they're really internally focused. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, a wizard, he's going to spend time like studying in school. But the scion is someone who spends time like reflecting inside of his own mind. Right. And so he creates an entirely different way of reacting to the world because his whole power source comes from within himself. Right. And not from his studies or skills and whatnot. It's very echoey of the monk, right? So, I mean, it mm-hmm. seems like, well, not seems like, it's been a 40-year debate and argument as to, one, why are psionics even in a D&D game? But it parallels the same argument of why in the world are there monks <laughs> in a European-reflected, you know, fantasy game, right? And the monks do very similar things to the psionics. Really, key is, or chi, however you want to pronounce it, key for D&D, it, it's the same. It is literally psionic power. It is how to do all those things, improve yourself and your body and your well, mind, then- biofeedback, you know, healing yourself, meditation. It's all psionics in the key powers. Well, that's with 4th edition, the monks were able to use Mm -hmm. psionics when that was released Mm -hmm. for 4th. I mean, just further proving the idea that it is an internalization. And I believe, and I know they kind of go away from that in later editions, but earlier editions, you were not allowed to do psionics if you had any chaos in your alignment. Right. It wasn't in 4th edition, they were the psionic striker class. I think they were. Uh, yeah, I can't remember if it was the full class. Yeah, they were just like, they, they filled the niche of the striker character, like the roguish, you know, for Marshall in the in the Scion. See, where, where I would kind of disagree with um, the idea of the monk being, you know, synonymous with the Scion is that, you know, the monk is attainable by anyone. You know, it takes a lot of focus. It's, it's a lot of like training and practice and all that. But I see the psionic character as someone with a spark something that makes them a little bit more and that allows them to access it. Mm -hmm. So like the monk trains and he gets himself to a point where he can do superhuman feats, except he's still a hundred percent human, but the scion, it has a power that goes beyond that into the supernatural. And so that's kind of where I see the difference between the two. Interesting, because I don't see that as uh, mutually exclusive at all. Maybe that's one of the things I liked about Psionics. It also may be that, you know, this came out when I was playing it in 77, 78, 79. Psionics meant Jedi, you know? <laughs> yes, abs- no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Star Wars came out, and so there were no other role-playing games, really. I mean, you eventually got, like, Star Frontiers, but that was very much not... Star Wars, it was something very different, and there were no, I don't remember, I don't think there's any psionic rules in Star Frontiers, but that's the only way I could get my Jedi, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I wanted to be, like, the monk, scion character, because that was what that was. You know, that may be part of my love for it and why I don't mind it being in D&D. I do understand why it seems a little odd. But I, I absolutely see the monk's power as psionic. I can see what you mean by there's like a different power level, maybe. Like the difference between an eldritch knight and a full-blown sorcerer. You know, it's kind of like the monk is like the eldritch knight version of a scion, you know, that has very specific, you know, limited access to things, but focuses mostly on the physical. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily see them as different. And I, I want my monk to have mage hand. 
equivalent, you know? But then again, mm-hmm. like, maybe I'm just getting back into the Jedi mindset. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. I want them to have force push. Yeah. No kidding. Don't you? <laughs> Who doesn't? Well, that's true. Uh, bouncing off of the idea of uh, the Jedi, one of my favorite psionic classes of all time is Assault Knife. Mm. Interesting. You know, they have the ability to create manifestations of psychic power in the shape of a weapon. And so, like, if you're thinking Jedi, I mean, I've always had that image of, like, the soul life just creating, like, a sword of psychic energy that glows and goes woof, woof when you use it. That's so funny because I 100% thought you were going to say psychic warrior because that's what I think of, like, mm-hmm. some the cross between a psychic warrior and a monk, like, multi-class, you know, from the previous editions. I could definitely see that. I'm just saying for the pure lightsaber effects, <laughs> like, soul knife. <laughs> yes. When you said it, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, like, the Psychic Warrior is, like, the ideal kind of perfect blend of that Jedi. You know, you have, he has the martial abilities, he has the ability to use his powers. He doesn't have a wide range of abilities, but he does have a few. Mm-hmm. And he can, you know, invest his energy into kind of building up those abilities. Yeah, absolutely. I ran some games where some, uh, shocking, I ran some aquatic adventures. Um, <gasps> and in my, aquatic, in my aquatic games, arcane magic is actually the alien thing, right? Something that requires verbal components and uh, somatic components underwater. There's too much environmental pressure for that either not to develop or to be really difficult. But psionic powers that don't require verbal components and somatic components necessarily or complex somatic components and writing stuff down on you know paper works much better. So that kind of makes this nice split between when it, someone from the surface goes underwater, their magic is harder to do, but they're also entering a world that looks at these magical supernatural aspects entirely differently. The reason why I brought that up is because um, one of my players wanted to create, wanted to have a psychic warrior. So I just complained about reskinning, but if you're in fifth edition and you want to reskin a, a sorcerer or reskin an eldritch knight and have that be like the eldritch knight be that psychic warrior type of character, it worked really, really well. You just have to change the flavor of the spells. The reason why I say that that's okay is you don't really require a whole new class, right? You've got it fairly well balanced. You can reskin some of the flavors, make some tweaks, remove the, you know, material and somatic components and maybe add some other limitation to it if you need to as well. But you can get that kind of flavor from it. And the Psychic Warrior 2, particularly underwater, they don't necessarily require armor. You kind of get that blend of the monk thing. You can you can make a pretty easy, pretty balanced tweak of that Eldritch Knight and get a get a feel for it. But I want to see them do something that's not reskinning in fifth edition Mm -hmm. and they're trying but i'm not super excited about any of the takes so far yeah you you wanted to have some level like okay why am i not just rolling up a sorcerer right and why am i just not making a wizard it's it's got to have some kind of taste to it that's like oh no this is a distinct flavor like this is entirely different the best and most interesting version of that for me was uh, Steve Kenson wrote a 3.0 supplement called the Psychic's Handbook. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it must have been 2010, maybe. I mean, I'm sorry, 2001, 2000, maybe, 2002. He also did the Shaman's Handbook. They're fantastic supplements if you can track them down. But what he did was he, he has the same issue that we're talking about here, and he reflavored all of these psionic abilities as skill-based mechanic. And so not only are we saying, oh, yeah, it looks like a fireball, or it looks like, you know, blur, but it's really called concealing amphora, because mm-hmm. that's much easier to say, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> In this particular case, it does feel alien when you run into somebody who's 
using telekinesis or doing that manifestation you're talking about with the soul knife with psychic weapon, you're looking at that and going, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know what's happening right now because the actual mechanics are feeding into the feel of being very, very different, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. making competitive skill checks as opposed to saving throws necessarily, you know, yeah. to fend, fend off a mental attack makes it feel alien. I like it. Yeah. Well, now I'm going to have to go find that. Thanks, Rich. <laughs> you should. And then you should email Steve Kenson and say thank you for being amazing. Okay. I'll do both of those things. Do I those usually things. do that on a daily basis. So. I, I, hey, I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So what I actually wanted to bring up was, and we, we kind of circled around it, an interesting concept for a type of psionicist that doesn't make sense to me. Psychic flounder? No, that sounds amazing. Makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> I was actually talking about the wilder. Ooh. Yes. Oh. I'm just like, huh. It almost feels weird because it's like you start yeah. to get into that sorcerer territory, both from like the chaotic and mm -hmm. just the like niche that they have with the wild surges. I just thought it was really like an interesting take that for me, like almost doesn't fit. Hmm. I think the wilder fits amazingly because conceptually, if we're going to say like, let's look at this, the idea of like psychic powers being from like a spark, mm -hmm. right? Like a natural okay. thing. And the Wilder is the character who doesn't have a full control of their power or they're very, very talented, but it's like a funnel. And so they have the option to just kind of over channel their power. And so it's kind of like you have this, you know, in a sense, an idiot savant, someone who's incredibly gifted with their powers, but they don't have a lot of control. And so it's, it's a variation. Like the scion is like the studied, meditative, strong person. The wilder is a kid who just has these powers and can just use them mm -hmm. and has learned just like through lack of discipline to just destroy their own minds in the pursuit of like just unleashing that complete power. So I yeah. think it fits in well. See, you just had to sell me on the story, man. Just had to sell me on the story. Yeah, it is very sorcerer-like, though. I see what you're saying. Like, it's definitely that fills that same niche. So from a storyline standpoint, you can make that parallel so it makes some sense, but it also brings up that same question we were talking about earlier, which was, why bother? What is the new for this niche, you know? The, the Wilder has, like, distinctly separate mechanics, though, from the sorcerer. I, I don't disagree with you, but, the, I mean, the 5th edition... The wild magic sorcerer, it sounds exactly like the wilder to me. The over-channeling and the powers going randomly weird. It's a cool mechanic, but you can just reflavor the sorcerer to be psionic and you're done. Mm. Do we need another class? You know, a full class with slightly different mechanics? You know? And if we're talking about a 5th edition, now we're talking about classes from 3rd edition, so that's it's, it's apples to oranges. I'm mostly basing out of 3.5, honestly, because like when I first started playing D&D, &D, we actually played psionic campaigns only. And it was like all of my love for psionics comes from this time of spending with the 3.5. And so like that's pretty much where I'm basing it out of. That's a really good point, though. So that's so the downside is why do we need sorcerers and wilders? Right. But the upside is, well, why do we need sorcerers if we've got wilders? You know, like, mm -hmm. why don't we do yeah. a, a psionics only campaign? I think that right there was one of the best things about fourth edition was the fact that you could run a an entirely martial or an entirely divine or an entirely psionic campaign and have all of your niches filled in really interesting ways with different flavor. But you could run a game like Dark Sun, I thought was brilliant in fourth edition because mm. you could you could run a, a game with just martial and psionics without having the arcane or divine characters and still be very effective and interesting characters. Yeah. You're you're not cutting yourself off the knees by not having a cleric. Exactly, which was part of the excess brutality of 
Dark Sun back in the day, which was so appealing, you know. But like, mm-hmm. a whole psionics campaign, man. I'm, I'm clearly I'm in because I love my aquatic <laughs> games. And then you know you get that Underdark kind of twist going into it as well. Like there's plenty of storyline potential for using psionics for that. Mm-hmm. And even the races from the psionics. Mm-hmm. Are fascinating, you know. You have the Dirger and the Half Giants. Yep, yes. I wrote a I wrote a series of books called Texts and Tomes. It's talking about using mundane books, non magical books, in uh, Pathfinder three point five versions. And one of the supplements that I wrote was called Psionic Repositories, and it was a way to have these supposedly like mundane books, although you're just tapping into them, you know, like psychically to quote unquote read them or relive the lessons of them. A little bit like a Jedi holocron almost kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And in that I talk about like how you can use these psionic repositories if they come from some ancient civilization to reintroduce psionics into your campaign that may not necessarily have psionics. So allowing your player characters to be that special person, you know, that special character in the world that has this one bizarre, strange, maybe twisted ability that allows them to get past the, you know, the lich big bad at the end because, you know, psionics are different than magic kind of a thing. And so there's a lot of storyline potential that you can really do with psionics that I really, really like. We just got to get the mechanics, ideally, to reflect and feed into those stories better. I also think past mechanics theme is also a big part of it, too. Because when you look at, like, psionics, there's a lot of theme of, like, inner power, focus, meditation, like, mastery of the self. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that just energy put into, like, okay... Are we playing just a bunch of like murder hobos or like, you know, like would a scion character be so wanton in destruction? Yeah. You know, what does each character receive from their time being the thing that they are? You know, well, I'm a fighter. I'm a thief. Well, it's like, well, what would a soul knight, what would a psychic warrior or a scion, where, where would their motivations and energy come from? Why mm-hmm. are they doing the things they are when they have this mental focus like, I mean, you know, in 3.5, there is a skill called auto-hypnosis where you had the actual ability to yeah. kind of have mastery over your own mind to the point where you could actually, like, resist dying. Yeah. <laughs> like, not today. I loved uh, auto-hypnosis and that kind of biofeedback skills where you could slow mm-hmm. down your physiology to yes. prevent poisons from, you know, moving through your system and stuff. I just love that. Mm-hmm. And, but see, that, that question also, again, reflects back to the monk. Why in the world would a monk go out and do what they're doing you know like Mm -hmm. aren't they supposed to be reflective and peaceful ideally i mean not every monk obviously but the the cliche stereotype one so you have to think about why would they be out in the world why would they be a quote-unquote adventurer yeah i think it adds so much more complexity to the characters Mm -hmm. if you dive in a little deeper like how they got there was takes a lot to get there right and so their motivations can't be like oh yeah i just want treasure i mean Right. A psychic warrior is not a barbarian, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like the polar opposite. (laughs) Exactly. So how does a psychic warrior who wears armor and uses weapons, how do they look at everyday life, right? Mm -hmm. It seems to me like the psychic twist to these abilities is more interesting just from a storyline perspective than it is from a mechanical perspective. Yeah, I can agree with that 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So going off of that, what do we think would be a good way to implement the psionics into the lore of your world? I mean, there's two ways to go about it. One, you're creating your new world, which obviously I think that's a little bit easier. Two, you have an established world that you're trying to implement psionics into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like the idea of inference. You know, if you're introducing psionics 
into the an already established campaign setting. Maybe it was there the whole time and the players just simply weren't aware of it. Because, you know, from the outset, you could have a psionicist appear like a mage. You could even dress mm-hmm. like one and act like one. And maybe there's something more to it. Like if you don't like one of the things is, is important to know is will your world have magic psionic transparency? And what that means is do anti-magic mm. things affect psionic? Like, is there, are they interchangeable or is there a definitive difference? You know, the counterspell will not defeat a psionic power. You know, will an anti-magic field block psionics? And so you could put the players potentially in a situation where they discover this other power because that barrier is broken and, you know, something fails on their part or they don't realize, oh, hey, we're not affecting right. him the way we thought we were. And that can be kind of like a hint and, you know, you can leave clues that there might be other people with these kind of abilities and then maybe even lay out opportunities to kind of like plant some seeds in the players and say like, you know, hey, he's starting to feel these kind of things mm-hmm. and gain one PowerPoint. You know, leave them like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Kind of let them figure it out. You know, I'd say let it be a process of discovery because psionics are fascinating. But like since they come from the mind, you know, who, who can know the depths of the human mind? I think it's it's definitely something that you can bring intrigue to the table when you introduce it. You can't just, you know, I mean, you can if you want, just plop down and say, oh, by the way, <laughs> right. the world's psionic now. Right. Or you can draw it out of players to kind of like, what is mm-hmm. this other thing? Yeah, I think trying to find out, first of all, if your players even want, number one, if your players want it, then try and figure out a way to make it work for, for the player. Mm-hmm. But two, figure out how it's working. Does it matter for your story? Right? Yeah, that's a good point. And if you know that it matters for your story, then you can fold it in, right? If you know that you're going to be running, you know, like the Githyanki invasion storyline, and you know that they're using some magic, but they don't use divine magic, they use arcane magic, but they also use psionics, right? If you know that your players are going to be, you know, going against this alien crazy force, you know, do the thing like you're saying, drop some hints early on, run into some people, maybe have them go on a quest to find one of these psionic repositories or an old book or, hey, you need to go into, you know, the ruins of this Aboleth city. You know, the Aboleth are all dead, you know, supposedly. Hopefully. But the Aboleth are all dead. You need to go into this horrible, horrible place to find out how they did what they did so you can fight off the Githyanki hordes. The ancient civilization that used psionics and that is dead now or evolved into something else is, is a good way to echo back. But you could also do basically a Cthuloid kind of invasion. Like the kind of story arc that I really enjoyed from 4th uh, edition that we were working on was a primal campaign that was against the invasion of Aboleth aberration forces, psionic forces from you know beyond the stars or another dimension. Maybe psionics never existed in this dimension, and now that the you know aberrations are invading your world in some way, it's leaking. The ability to do psionics, that psionic spark is leaking Mm. into your world and maybe one or more of your characters are affected. But again, making it so that it's player-focused. Giving the players access to something that nobody else does can be interesting for a while. And then you introduce them to someone who, it's like, oh yeah, you've got this one PowerPoint Andrew is talking about, which allows you to do these things that are unique then you run into, you know, the equivalent of a psionic lich that steps through a portal and you realize that you are a tiny child <laughs> in this world, right? You're <laughs> yes. super cool until you realize you have a lot to learn, right? So you could do that. 
And of course, I use, like I mentioned, I use psionics in my aquatic games as the the bottom line, the baseline form of magic. Even if I'm running a surface campaign and then people are, you know, just just diving under the waves for a little bit, it helps it helps make that culture feel different. Um, and then you can, if your players are the first ones to say discover an underwater civilization somewhere, you know, maybe they're taking some of that training, training there, and bringing it to the surface. You know, making your characters more exotic. Yeah, that that idea of importation, you know, of like this thing comes from a culture far off and very removed, but it, it's very unique and, and it, it's, it can be sought after by, the, you know, people who are fascinated by this kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And when you set it in a situation like where you have to go through a portal to another world, you know, like in, you know, Galarin for Pathfinder, they have all those other worlds in the system, Right where you have to do something or, or get the right equipment spells or whatever to go underwater, where you have this physical barrier that stops your average Joe from just walking up to the monastery and saying, hey, I want to learn how to, you know, stun people with my fists, yeah. train me. You know, you have something that makes that an excuse for it to be a, a rare thing in the environment you're telling your story in. And, you know, we could easily establish, too, that psionics might be looked down upon or... or segregated from traditional mainstream mm -hmm. schools of magic and so that the reason why it's not widely prevalent is because there might be some form of like discrimination against psionicists yeah you know maybe the wizards they don't like the idea of people tapping into their minds and they think that it's perverse or profane or whatever right. and so they're you know saying we're going to be wizards and we're going to make a point to push anyone who doesn't do magic the way we do out right we're not going to teach people how to read you know the holy texts because we want to keep that power to ourselves basically yeah yeah exactly and to find out that people can do it themselves and tap into something themselves it does and and, and dive a little deeper like you think like oh well they don't like psionics because it's you know they say that it's weaker and blah 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 but it turns out they're they're just they're they're absolutely horrified <laughs> at the fact that they could lose control. Yeah. And when the characters move through their levels and they get to be, you know, 10, 11, 12, they're starting to realize that there's more layers to this politics. And it could be any, I mean, it could be that, you know, they think that the wizards are the bad guys, right? That are trying to keep the psionic people, uh, you know, oppressed. But then, you know, once you get up to a high enough level where they're starting to get enough of this psionic power, you start to realize that maybe these wizards are the good guys and you're the bad guys because they know what doors you're opening you shouldn't. And now mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the mind flayers are waking up again, right? Or the abolists are waking up again. So getting your players to question whether or not what side they're really on. Definitely. Yeah, it could be really interesting. Well, I think in playing off of both of those ideas and the one that I started out with, yeah, Rich, you brought up the most important question is, do your players want this? I mean, that's exactly a go ahead. And then the number one question you need to ask yourself is who figured out psionics in your world? Right. And what does that mean? What are the implications of them figuring it out, their motivations going forward? And the second thing would be who figured out that they figured it out? Because then you have a whole campaign. <laughs> you know, I mean? like right. the Gith Yankee, you're just like, hey, what do you think you're doing? And boom, they're here. It could be fun to even propose psionics as not even a concept in the world, but as a presence. And so, you know, these people, they have this power and they use this power and they refine this power. But they're not aware of the idea that it's psionics. They don't call it that. They don't have schools of thought. They're just, this is what I can yeah. do. And so you have small pieces of population or maybe like little clusters of groups who are like, oh, what if we all tried training together? Mm -hmm. 
but never that like, oh, this is psionics because it's all just kind of maybe called different things by different people, yeah. you know, different cultures have different ideas. To do a little shameless plug, we talk a little bit about this on one of the Whelmed episodes because, of course, there's several psychic characters in Young Justice. And one of the things they do is represent psychic combat as basically taking place on another plane or dimension mm-hmm. of the mind mm-hmm. as opposed to in the physical world. And one of the things you can do with a, with a game like D&D, if you want to quote unquote introduce psionics but not flood your world with it, is make it so that, look, you're the fighter and you're the rogue and you're the cleric, and you're the wizard, and we've got our little party, and I don't want to give you levels in psionics, necessarily, or create a mechanic like 5th edition, but what I will do is say that you guys have this spark that Andrew's talking about, so that when you confront, say, a mind flare, it's not just a physical, you know, bash them up fight, Mm. you actually take your players and put them on another dimension, and it gives you the opportunity to get some player agency, because it becomes like the Matrix, you are unlimited by what you used to be able to do. You have powerful psychic abilities, but it's going to maybe depend on how you narratively describe what you can do or whatever you want to do. That doesn't necessarily affect the physical plane or change the stats of your characters physically, but allows them to work together to, to solve some problems. Maybe you want to use a skill check system or a skill challenge system or something else, but you remove it from the physical world and put it someplace else which I think can be a really interesting twist. So I think to close this out, let's talk a little bit about the fifth edition mystic and psionics and how we feel about that. No, that's fair. I don't like it. I don't know what to say. Well, Uh, what is it first? That's my question. What, What is this mystic? Well, so here's the, here they're trying to do. So, so here's what they're trying to do that I appreciate they're trying to make it not a reskinning of magic. So they're, they're, they're making character classes that have archetypes to them, just like you would have like a fighter with an Eldritch Knight or a champion or a Battlemaster, right? The problem is it feels like there, there's too many archetypes now of psychic characters, right? So in 3rd edition, there was the Scion, the Psychic Warrior, the Soul Knife, the Wilder, the Ardent, the Divine Mind, the... All this stuff, right, that they expanded out, and then even more that, like, Dreamscard Press did, right? Mm-hmm. And they're taking it and putting it in one class. Just one class? Just one. Oh, so yeah. the class called the Mystic. And then there are different kinds of mystic houses or schools of thought, and then they have different abilities, and you can spend points to, like, buff the ability. They've got baseline powers, and then you can kind of buff it with extra points. And So they're playing around, and it's fine. Early draft stuff is fine it's just not a feel it's not giving me a feel of psionics to me there's something about the archetypes they're choosing or what they're trying to do that doesn't give me the feel that i want i don't i don't get the chance to build a jedi or whatever it's odd and i'm not ecstatic about it i don't have an answer i i don't have an answer for that but i don't like this route so far I think part of it is that you're folding it all into one class, so it becomes kind of a buffet. And so it's just like, you know, pick the things you want, leave out the things you don't want. And you're not actually, you know, getting a hard class. You're just getting a list of options. And so you're saying like, oh, check out my amazing list of options. And so there's also no shorthand either. You know, if you hear someone's a psychic warrior, you know what what you're getting. You hear someone's a mystic. Well, what does that mean? Like, is it this? Is it that? Is it this? Well, yeah, well, I kind of get that and I kind of don't. And maybe that's part of the fact that you haven't played much 5th edition. Like when you say you're yeah. an Eldritch Knight, you're really a fighter. 
who has some spellcasting mm-hmm. ability. But an Eldritch Knight is definitely different than a you know champion fighter. So you could mm-hmm. say that you're like they had the um, I think it was called the Immortal or something was one of their archetypes. Yeah, Order of the Immortal. So you choose um, which order you're from. You know, very similar to the Bardic College or um, the Monk thing, or the Sorcerer Bloodline stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think that the, there's there's something about the name that's not really harking back or grounding people in a concept. These Order of the Immortal, that doesn't sound psychic at all. I don't know what that is. It reads more like a monk. It does, actually. or like even a freaking barbarian for that matter. Like it's, or a, I am an immortal champion fighter or something. It doesn't sound psychic. Like, I don't, I'm not sure why they didn't call call it a scion and then have the psychic warrior be one of the archetypes in which, as opposed to a fighter who has the Eldritch Knight archetypes, so you're mostly a fighter but you have a few spells. In this case, you could do a Scion core class and then have a Psychic Warrior archetype in which you're mostly a Scion, but you add on some fighting abilities. Like, it's it's just... It's six and one half dozen of the other, really. But then you could have a Soul Knife. And again, you're mostly a Scion, but you're folding in some rogue abilities or something like that. But something that feels Psionic. The mystic name and these orders, they just don't... I don't know. It, the whole thing isn't really gelling for me. Well, it might just be a flavor issue, to be perfectly honest. Because even the name Mystic, that's magical sounding, not psionic sounding. Yeah. I don't disagree. That's fine. My biggest hope is that this is almost like, Andrew, you presented the idea of a buffet. And just like, here's thoughts we have all put together. What do you like? And then hopefully it forms into something much more. Yeah. I'd be cool if I got a psionics handbook. You hear that, wizards? I'd be cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I want to. I want to be excited. Yeah. I, I want to be excited to play. And right now, I'm like, I don't know what niche this fits into, or how this play style is different or more interesting than my other things that I want to play. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think part of it is that when you have the handbook, when you have a big chunk, it's like this can be a whole different world. Yeah. You know, we can become a whole different thing. When it's just like one little thing here or one class there it's you're just stuffing it into what you already have you're not coming up with something new like you're not going to build a campaign off of this class you build a campaign off of a psionics handbook yeah yeah i agree but i mean in fifth edition you have i mean you could have three fighters in your group and have three completely different fighters right Mm -hmm, i mean the battle master i'm saying more i'm saying more thematically as i'm making the case for not really class wise yeah. Ooh, if something came out that was like similar to Skag, mm, I think that'd be amazing. Sword Coast Adventure Guide. I realize I used not only the acronym but like the short the shorthand for the acronym. So there. No, I agree with you. I I want it, but but I, my head's not there yet. I'm like they don't even have a basic idea of what they're doing mm-hmm. yet. And I'm okay if they just scrap everything and then start over again and they just keep trying. I have no problem with that. They tried that Ranger that five levels of new ranger with the spirit guides and that kind of stuff. And they ended up scrapping it and completely and going to something completely different. And that's perfectly fine. That's the great advantage of living in the future in this kind of mass appeal, yeah, you know, play yeah. testing. At least that's you, one of the advantages. You have that f- flexibility to try it and then wait for the inevitable backlash and then right. pretend it never happened. <laughs> you could if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Um, the downside, though, is also the democratic process in this case could be bad. Like, if everybody wants their rangers to look like third edition, but fifth edition doesn't work like third edition, and you say, okay, well, everybody wants X, we're going to try and squeeze it in 
to fifth edition, then it just doesn't feel like fifth edition, right? So it's, yeah, it's it, yeah. you have to kind of draw a line and say, look, no, this isn't the feel we're looking for. And maybe that's what they're doing with the Mystic. I don't know. But I want to see something different. I want to see a different take. Definitely. All right. With that, the question is, Rich, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Umbral Walker, U-M-B-R-A-L-W-A-L-K-E-R. You can also find me at the YJ Files for our podcast, Whelmed. You can find uh, articles of mine on tribality.com. And uh, I'm all over the podcast world. I'm like a professional guest at this point. Yeah. I love it. Thanks for inviting me back on, man. I always love coming on. Uh, thanks for coming on. And thanks for helping us tackle the mind puzzle that is psionics. <laughs> nice. And thanks again to Rich for his fantabulous contributions to our Hooked on Psionics episode. Honestly, one of the most riveting conversations I've had about Psionics in a long time. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Dungeon Master's Block. If you'd like to, you can send us an email at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. And if you really enjoy the show and you want to get a shout out too, maybe post a review on iTunes. Yeah, Buckner 1 through 6, this is your chance. You can go and then we'll read it out. But if you don't want to do either of those, but still want to find out all about the Dungeon Masters block, you can go follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMs block. Or you can head over to our Facebook page and like us there and check out all the other posts and memes that we put. But again, as we are wont to do, we have a Patreon shout out. The shout out goes to Jay Miller. Perfect. And Jay is a gold dragon to be feared so he gets to head over to the awesome places on the forum that are only for patreon dragons and he gets to help decide on what happens in episodes of the dungeon masters block that's right he has the power of our lives in his hands dun 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 and as always the dungeon masters block is a proud member of the block party podcast network and you can go check out other shows like the gm showcase geek wars And this little show that someone might know about called We're So Bad at Adventuring. And I love that show. And I really want season three right now. Dude, (laughs) season three is amazing. You don't even know. Yes. And thanks again for listening to the Dungeon Master's Block. The place where we focus on the Dungeon Master. The most important person in the game. The only person capable of playing God. Killing characters. And lowering the egos of everyone else at the table. Keep on Dungeon Mastering. And this is Andrew Porcio signing off and saying, don't forget to lie about your roles. <laughs> Done. Did, that, did any of that rambling make sense to you? Like, I don't understand a word you said, but... Okay, don't worry about it. Let's do that again. Here, let's have some more caffeine. Yeah. Goodbye.